1: this was given when david
2: 1837 july the 4th 1837 61st anniversary by john quincy adams they're about to start their 62nd birthday And so he's an old man now. Now, He he watched this when he was eight years old. Remember, when he was eight years old, he had his musket out with the Massachusetts Minutemen going with all the Minutemen, British kind of stuff. So he's eight years old. He's he's seen this. Now he's an old man. He's 69 years old. And they ask him to come give an address and tell us
1: about it. There is no way. This is at least 90 minutes. And there is no this is one speech. Mm-hmm. And there's no way mm-hmm. you could get anybody to sit
2: here and listen to this now. Well you remember the Lincoln Douglas debates? Yeah, what yeah. We're talking about four or five hours I of know. whack? I know. So
1: innis he says, Why is it, friends and fellow citizens, that you're assembled? Why is it that we're entering upon the sixty-second year of our national existence? And you've honored with an invitation to address you from this place. Um, and he talks about an old man. But why is it that next to the birthday of the Savior of the world, your most joyous and most venerated festival returns on this day? So he's saying, why is it that
2: this and Christmas are linked? Our top two, top top two, two, hol- two holidays. Back then, the top two holidays, Christmas, Independence Day. Which I have said You've been f- forever. For, that's right.
1: If we restore those two holidays, we're fine. Um, he says... Um, Why is it year after year we celebrate this birthday of the nation? Is it not that the chain of human events, the birthday of the nation, is indissolubly Indissolubly, uh, linked with the birthday of the Savior, that it forms the leading event in progress of the gospel dispensation? Is it not that the Declaration of Independence first organized the social compact on the foundation of the Redeemer's mission upon earth? It laid the cornerstone of human government. It goes on to talk about, um, here, for the second object of the declaration, the assumption among the powers of the earth of the separate and equal Mm -hmm. station to which the laws of nature and nature's gods entitled them, no reason was assigned, no justification was deemed necessary. In other words,
2: everybody knew this. We don't have to explain why 2 plus 2 equals 4. Everybody knows it. Not today.
1: Yeah, on Wikipedia, you're known as... What is it? You're They, they
2: claim that I hold unorthodox views about the American founding because I read stuff like that.
1: Right, because you believe he, that these two things are linked. linked. And,
2: and he said, hey, Christmas, 4th of July, they go together because Christmas, that's when Jesus Christ brought these principles in the world. 4th of July, it's when we took them and applied them to civil government. He said the two things are together.
1: And this is about... Tonight, we want to talk about the... Declaration of Independence and how it is linked to the Constitution and actually it's the
2: other way around. How the Constitution is linked to the, the Declaration right. of Independence. Mm-hmm. That
1: this is the cornerstone, the Declaration of Independence, and whenever you want to change the country, mm-hmm. you have to cut yourself from this document.
2: But you make the case
1: you cannot do it.
2: You can, and every fundamental movement that we've had to fundamentally shift our our individual liberties and freedoms has always said, "Oh no, we're Constitution guys. We don't do the Declaration. We we, we take an oath to uphold it." And I mean, that was back in in the slavery movement, eighteen thirties and forties. Democrats in Congress said, "Whoa, whoa, don't don't quote to us this inalienable liberty thing out of the Declaration. We do the Constitution. That's not in the Constitution. We don't do liberty." And then when you got to Roe v. Wade in seventy three, they said, "Wait, what about the inalienable right to life out of the Declaration?" And the justice says, no, 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 we do the Constitution. We don't do the Declaration. Hang so you can, you can make anything you want if you take the values out. You got, come, on, come on in. Uh, Mary and Jeremy have
1: something exciting to show you that Mercury One just got for the museum, David. Jeremy? Hi, sweetheart. Jeremy?
0: What is it? All right. This is an incredible piece. Let me tell you why this is an incredible piece, because not, there are not that many of them in nine or 1828 uh john quincy adams commissioned stone to make an exact replica of the Declaration of independence and
1: it's why when you go to washington into the national archives you are a braver man than i am you know right what that is don't you david (laughs) oh yes yes you do um this is rice paper too it's this is scary delicate um it's why when you go to the National
0: Archives, you can barely read the Declaration the of Independence. So, they took the original stone did You're and took it up. the original and wetted wet it down a little bit, and then laid it on a copper plate so that it would transfer that ink. And that's why Glenn, it is so light. So a little bit of that ink came off on a brand new copper plate. He then took that off. Let
2: the he, original he soaked drop. the original ink that the signer, when the signers signed it with a quill pen, he soaked that ink out of there onto the copper plate, which is why the original is it's so, so light. That them. and they didn't they hang it in a storefront or something for years? Well, yes. it hung in the sunlight nobody knew
1: yeah. the UV rays got yeah. it. So yeah, it. They also didn't know about global warming.
0: <laughs> right. So Stone took that copy, made a copper etching of it, and then... Produced 201 copies of the Declaration of Independence, exact replicas. So that was this
1: is this is one of the original. That's just a copy. This is a copy. So
0: this this is is different. This is Peter Force. So now you're looking at 20 years later, uh, John Quincy
2: Adams. And and let me let me throw this in. This is a replica, but this is close to what the stone version would have looked like because he printed on parchment and on vellum. And so this is, and he didn't print that, what is it, 100 of them that he printed? 201 okay.
0: of those 30 are known to remain,
2: 19 of which are in museums. So what you've got is that one, and then they take that copper plate, and they come over here and print it here. On rice paper. On rice paper, because if you'll see here, this was all folded up like we had it. This was inside a book. this a
0: series of books. So right. he was commissioned, Peter Force was commissioned to make a American documents, the Founding Fathers, all the history of America, and this had to be recreated. So he took that copper plate out of storage and created about 500 to 1,000 copies of this nine series set, and this is one of the copies of those. 500 to 1000 or no
1: You don't you you have the series
2: but you I've don't I've got even the have this. Peter Force series but people cut this out with those Which is obviously back what happened what, here. This is what happened here and that see because it's all folded and this was bound into the volume so the volume's about this big. It, it's about like that. And so I've got the the Peter Force volumes but I don't have the declaration out of it. But now Mercury 1 has the declaration out of it and this is one of the things that we're able to preserve at Mercury 1 is this kind of stuff. I mean, this is really significant stuff. This is really, this is really expensive, This is really too. significant. Yeah, this is. This yeah. is. Stop touching but, it, David. You're making me nervous. <laughs> this is actual size, right? This, this is actual. See, notice here. Now, this, this, this one, of course, is modern, but it's built on the plate where they signed the Correct. declaration. Now, notice it's the same size here. It is. It is the same thing. Well, it's this is the same, same plate. Yeah. That's right. This, this is, is what's,
1: what's amazing is when you look at this, though, that looks fake. Okay? It just looks fake. <laughs> this looks like their hand this looks like the right ink it looks like it's hand yep. signed
2: well you get the you get the thickness of the ink the thickness of john hancock and the thinness of charles carroll everybody has their own you know so you where's uh yeah. stephen hopkins see how rough his yeah he, he was he had palsy when he signed this yeah. and it's the character does all not there.
1: seem like that every no. copy i've ever seen looks like, like that yeah this
2: looks this like... This has character. Individual, yeah, That's this right. looks like it's individually signed. See, Jefferson, quite different from anybody else, yeah. Richard Henry. Look at dark and light amazing. and medium. Everything. It's, Just it's amazing. amazing.
1: Okay, so good news. David Barton is back. We've done uh, the Founding Fridays at Fox. Uh, this is a series on our founders, and we're beginning uh, with the Declaration of
2: Independence because it is linked the constitution is linked to this you'll never understand the constitution if you don't get this first right. this is the fa- this this is a jubilee of the constitution done by John Quincy Adams on the 50th anniversary of the constitution and he says the declaration is the foundation they built the constitution on the fa- if you take the foundation away the whole thing crumbles and you say you can prove that i can prove that <laughs> yeah let's go to the blackboard i'll okay. show you okay good all right so what doing? you got is You can't really understand the Constitution if you don't first get the Declaration. Let me show you an example. Article 1, Section 5, Paragraph 4 of the Constitution says, Neither house, during the session of Congress, shall, without the consent of the other, adjourn for more than three days, nor to any other place than that in which the two houses shall be sitting. Now, I ask kids this all the time, university kids, law school kids, what does that mean? I don't know. And So you add to it. The Congress shall assemble at least once in every year, and such meetings shall be on the first Monday in December, unless they shall, by law, approve a different date. W- why did they do that?
1: So, Nobody knows. So the, uh, I mean, not reading these. Not reading the Okay, decoration. not reading this yet. I would say this is just, this would be my guess. Would be, well, they want to make sure that somebody's called to order so you're not just stringing things out and the Congress has no Power because they won't call it to order, mm-hmm. and uh, that they can't get anything done because one house is saying, you know, we're just we're on strike.
2: Yeah, one, one's, one's got the other tied up. Okay, so that's got to, That's the Not closest I could quite. get. Here's what it is. So talking about the king. These are the grievances. There's 27 grievances and dec- now the grievance. The, the declaration starts with 155 words. This is for six principles. And if you don't get those principles, you'll never understand the Constitution. But past that, they then go into 27 grievances that explain those principles and how the principles have been violated. So everything in the Constitution goes to one of those six principles, if you know the Declaration. If you don't, you don't understand the Constitution. But here, well, this is the deal. All right, neither house can can adjourn without the consent of the other. It's because the king, King George III, has called together legislative bodies at places unusual... "...uncomfortable and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. Grievous next, he's dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasion on the rights of the people." He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers, incapable of annihilation, have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. So the king says, you guys in Virginia are causing me a lot of problems. I'm just going to wipe you out. You can meet 10 years from now. You can't meet till 10 years from now. You're done. Or he's going to say, you know, all the public records are in Williamsburg, and I want you meeting over in Roanoke, which is about two weeks away on horseback. And so what he would do is move them around where they couldn't get their government records, and they didn't have any power, and then he would dissolve them and say, you come back when I call you, and so there's no legislature in the meantime. So he's, So that's why it says... Neither house can adjourn without the consent of the other. Nobody's going to wipe out the legislative power. We're always going to be able to do something. The people need to be represented all the time, and you're going to get together at least once a year. This deal of putting it off for 4, five, six, eight, 10, 20 years, whatever he wants, we're not doing that. We're going to make sure that people have representation all the time. So, you'll, Has the Supreme
1: Court changed this,
2: David? Oh, the Supreme Court's changed everything at once. Jefferson warned about the Supreme Court, and he says, if you ever allow the Supreme Court to have the final decision... He said the Constitution would become a thing of wax in their hands which Mm. they may twist and shape anything they please, and we have. So we we literally now have people who don't understand the Constitution. Members of Congress don't. The public doesn't. Seventy percent of voters did not know the Constitution was the supreme law of the land. What? Excuse me? What? Seventy percent of voters did not know the Constitution was the supreme law of the land. Now, let me take you one step further. Wow, we survive? 62% of voters cannot name the three branches of government. Oh, don't, don't, please, David, don't make me head hurt. One more. 48% of elected officials cannot name the three branches of government. Oh, my gosh. How do you have separation of powers, and how do you keep a court under control if you don't even know what the branches are?
1: Well, you don't keep them under the control. They, they don't... The Supreme Court has been the final rule. We're not ruled by a president. We're not ruled by vote. We're ruled by them. No matter what we say,
2: they say, no, you're not doing that. Well, that's why if you go back to the Declaration, principle number five in the Declaration of the Six is the rule is by the consent of the governed. Governed. When the Supreme Court does it, we don't have any consent of the governed. I mean, you can take issue after issue where they overturn the consent of the governed because they want something different.
1: David, what do you think of the theory that the reason why the Declaration of Independence was so successful is that before the grievances, it stated something that had never, stated, never been stated before and stated in an eloquent way, those principles, that all men are created equal. So it, it came out and said to the people, here's the idea, here's what we're going for, and then said... And we're going for it because of these things. He's violating all of that. And so we want this. And the reason why so many people fail in politics now is they don't state something that is obvious, something that is natural in its right, and say, this is our dream. And now, instead, we we start with the grievances. Look at how repressed we're being. Look how they're violating our rights. Look at this. And there's... There's not, the, the structure is wrong.
2: I would, I would argue a little different on that in the sense of, you remember what John Quincy Adams said, the second part of the Declaration we didn't even think is worthy of explanation. Everybody already knew it. So if I take the phrase that taxation without representation is tyranny, if I take the phrase that all men are created equal, they're endowed by their creator with inalienable rights, life, liberty, property, if I take the phrase that talks about the consent of the governed, where do those phrases originate? And the answer is, in 1680, they were preached in sermons by the Reverend John Wise. The founding fathers in 1772 took the sermons of John Wise, and in the Committees of Correspondence, they reprinted them and distributed them all over the nation from end to end. Americans read that, the Committees of Correspondence, the Sons of Liberty put it out. Jefferson had it in his library. It's, and that's why, even on the 150th anniversary of the Declaration, when, when Calvin Coolidge gave the address, mm-hmm. there at Independence Hall, he said, we all know that John Wise is the one who came up. The Reverend John Wise gave us these clauses, Now we and, don't know that today. And
1: that's why John Quincy Adams said, we knew they didn't have to, we don't have to make a case. Everybody because, knew it. But, but, we but it. also because it was coming from God. It was It from. was an idea that is is
2: now let me divine. Go, let me go a step further because all these agreements and here 's more I mean all these clauses of the constitution they 're there because agreements Congress have the power to establish the universal rule of naturalization because the king has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners refusing to pass others uh, to encourage their migrations hither the king won 't let us do immigration we 're going to do it this is, Congress has the authority to establish that rule same thing here the he, he, king. He, He's
1: obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers.
2: So Congress shall have power to constitute
1: tribunals in fear of the Supreme Court. He has kept among us, in times of peace, standing armies without consent of our legislators.
2: Congress shall have power to raise and support armies, but no appropriation of money to be used for longer term than two years. That keeps you from having a standing army. To this day, we don't have a permanent military. Every two years, we have to create a brand new. Now, uh, we've made infrastructure, uh, but theoretically. Um, He is
1: affected to render the military independent of and superior to the silver power.
2: The Congress shall have power to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrection, repel invasion. Congress, not the king. It comes back to the people. And Congress shall have the power to regulate commerce with foreign nations. Because the king was giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world. But see, here's the deal. All these grievances that we're looking at here... Historians have documented that all of these had been preached from the American pulpit prior to 1763. So you need to look at the Declaration of Independence as the listing of all the sermon topics we've been hearing for 20 years leading up to the American Revolution. That's why nobody had to be told what this meant, because we've been teaching it to the people. We've been inculcating it. That's what the committees, of correspondence, the Sons of Liberty, the preachers, that's what they did. They they taught this stuff. So when they write the Declaration down, they go, we've known that for 20 years.
1: So you go 250 years down the road, and you see why we have, for instance, Black Lives Matter, which is saying... America is bad, and uh, we should be a socialist nation, and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's because our pulpit is our university and our culture, and that's what Everything our culture teaches is. Is yeah. is got it wrong. Our a- new a- church
2: the that's right.
1: is the education that's right. uh, system.
2: A- and it is, and that's, that is the new church. So what's coming out of academia, the silence of the pulpit, what's coming out of media, electing people to office who don't have a clue what even the branches of government are, you get all that thrown together, and it's whatever I feel like this morning when I get up, and that's a real problem. So you said there are six points? Six points in the Declaration. And what are those six points? The six points is we, we said there is a creator. We're endowed by our creator. The second point is the creator— I'm going to write this down. So there is a God. There is a God. The second is God gives inalienable rights. Therefore, government can't touch them. It's a jurisdiction issue. Is that strong? Is that right? Right, they belong to God. Yeah, rights come from God. Certain rights come from God. There are rights that come from government. There were two dozen the founders called inalienable rights that came from God. Government couldn't touch them. So, self-defense, the right of conscience, the right of property—all those things. Uh, there's a certain set of rights. Inalienable rights come from God. Statutory rights come from, from Congress. Got it. The third is that to secure these rights, the government. So, the purpose of government is to protect inalienable rights. Okay fourth is... To protect God's rights. God's rights. To make sure that you have the right to worship God according to the dictates of conscience without Congress and the Supreme Court telling you okay. what. It's not to issue new rights. It's not to issue new rights. They don't give new rights. Right. Those rights come from God. They don't know that anymore. Now, they can give you a right to drive 55 miles an hour on the highway because that's not right. an inalienable right. But they can't mess with your rights well, the That's right not even a
1: right. That's a, that's a limit.
2: That's, a, that's a, 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 what John Locke would call a social compact. That's right. what we agree Got it. together. Yes. Got it. So that's social compact. Uh, number four is there's a fixed moral law, the laws of nature, and nature's God. And you can't vote on rape, you can't vote on all, because that's part of the fixed moral law. Wow. The fifth is there's the consent of the governed, and that only happens below enable rights and below moral law. You don't get to vote on morals, and you don't get to vote on rights. And number Where six, does it say that? That's in, in the declaration, uh, after, in the last part of the first 55 words, It talks about, there's the laws of nature, nature's God, and it goes through and talks about, and the government is with the consent of the government. We can read it in a minute right off the Declaration, those words. And the sixth one uh, is that if you don't get these five secured by government, you have the inalienable right to to have a new government. Throw off the chain. And start again. Okay. So the, if, the, if government doesn't do these five things, you can get yourself a new government. That's Those are the six principles and declarations. And by the way, that goes to Article 5 of the Constitution. If you don't like the way it works, amend the Constitution. You have the right to change it. You, you can do that. The court can't change it, which they do all the time now. The people can change it. So all of this goes to God and the people. First four are God-centered. The last David. two are people-centered. Look at this. No. 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 No, 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 kind of, no. And, and I would say not even that. The founding fathers did not allow filibuster in the Senate because that was not the consent of the government. Today it takes 60 votes will not be 40 votes in the Senate. 40 votes beat 60 every day of the week in the Senate. That's not the consent of the government. That's why they did not allow filibusters because that makes 40 more powerful than 60. Filibuster is the thing that goes to the 1970s. We're talking the Nixon time frame. And so McConnell says, oh, we've got to protect the institution of the Senate. No, no, no. That's not a tradition of the Senate. Founding fathers did not allow filibusters. So, I mean, e- wow. even this consent of the government, the Senate regularly violates that without ri- and recognizing And with the Supreme it. Court. All the time. I, Supreme Court, you can vote five whatever nine, you want. That's right. Five
1: or nine people that's say,
2: right. no. Here's what we're telling. 330 million Americans.
1: And the Civil War, they said, this doesn't belong anymore. Mm-hmm. So...
2: This is the fundamental principles this is an, This is a completely ran. irrelevant document now. It, well, it's irrelevant because the people don't know these six things. Correct. Every American used to know that. Pulpits taught it. You know, that's why all this stuff was preached. We, we distributed in committees of correspondence and Sons of Liberty. This is the importance of the Declaration to American government. If you don't get the Declaration right, you won't get government right. Okay, let's go.
1: I have to tell you, David, that is what, those six things. That is
2: stunning. Well, let's read them, because you asked me the, the wording on the consent of the governed. Okay. So here's how it starts out: When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station in which the laws of nature and nature's God entitles them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to separation. Now. I love that. Laws of Nature Nature's God, that was point number four of the six. And the significance of that is they came out of this law book right here. This is the most famous law books of the day. Uh, Thomas Jefferson said American attorneys studied these law books like Muslims study the Koran. Wow. So this is the law book, and that's a direct quote out of here. This, this comes out he, in, in Volume 1, Chapter 2, he spends a lot of time on the laws of nature and nature's God. And define those, because I don't think people really understand...
1: The difference between the na- nature's law mm-hmm. and uh,
2: and nature's God and nature's law. Right, the laws of nature. Um, the way Blackstone explains it, that's this is the dual revelation of God, and and in, in what you see is God revealed Himself in nature. Romans one in the Bible, Paul says everything that can be known about God. Including the Godhead is revealed through what God has created, so that even heathen without excuse. Nobody has a reason for not knowing God, not knowing what he wants. But as Blackstone points out, when sin entered the world, things kind of changed. And so God says, you're not getting it, let me just write it down for you. And so that's the laws of nature's God. That's the laws of the God who created nature. Okay, so
1: that is, what's in the, that's, that's the Ten Commandments, and, and, and what whatever, God, else in the scripture. whatever
2: else is in the Scripture. And it's what the founders called the moral law. Okay. The moral law goes across Old Testament, New Testament, is what God said is right and wrong. And that's first. That's first. That's first. Now, see, what you get is, I, let, me, let me give an example, because um, I can take the laws of nature. I, I can show you out of the Bible that abortion is wrong. I've got all sorts of verses. I don't need to do that. I can show you 10 million species in nature, not one of them kills its young still in the womb. Abortion is a violation of the laws of nature. I don't need the Bible to tell me it's wrong. Right. Self-defense is a law of nature. God has put that. They, animals will defend themselves, their young, and where they live. Their cave, that's, yeah. That's a law of nature. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can show you all through the law of nature, property, so, all so that. This
1: is, so this is really critical to understand because um, I don't think people understand. They'll always say, well, that's in the Bible. You no, know, It's really important to understand that because I learned this with my kids on the ranch. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Kids on the ranch. That's you exactly don't right. have to explain really much of anything. That's right. You don't need to talk about the birds and the bees when your kids turn 13. That's right. If you've grown up on a on ranch, ranch where you're seeing mom, dad, what is that? What is the bull doing? Mm-hmm. Making babies. Yep. Making babies. So it, it, it's consistent. You don't ha- I think we really had a problem when we started moving off of the
2: farms. Well, notice this. Try to find an atheist in the country atheists live in the city because they don't see the hand see that's why Psalm forty six ten says be still know that I'm God just just sit down. if you would study an anthill for 15 minutes you would find out that you should have a savings account and you'd find out why the federal budget is off right now just from studying anthill wow. I mean it's really easy stuff because you, you Ant, why did they store up stuff because they know their seasons and because they know their season, see what we did in budgeting is it's a spring. It's always going to be the spring. We're going to spend at this level. No, you're going to have a fall. You're going to have a winter when everything's dead. Then you're going to have a growing season. And so I'll learn from the ant that I have to budget what I do because not everything is always going to be at this high level of budget. I'm going to have times mm-hmm. when I'm in a recession down here. And so I have to budget for down here. And so I, I, I have a savings account. No government has a savings. Well, Texas has a rainy day fund. We're really yeah. good at that. But people budget on the spring. Well, spring is just one of four seasons. God gave the law of seasons. So an ant tells you, you're supposed to have a savings account. And so account. that is nature's that's, law. That's the laws of nature. Mm-hmm. You should have a savings account. You should budget. Now, I mean, all of that. Uh, that's what a squirrel does. He knows are going to come tough times when he can't get the acorns he wants. So, so he when stores them up. people say
1: the Constitution, this is one reason why Woodrow Wilson needed to cut us apart from this document. Mm-hmm because it st- clearly states nature's God, nature's God and nature's
2: laws. That's right. Um, and so and, and they're so explained here. I, I mean, the only reason people don't understand, oh, that that's a deistic term. No, not if you read all the legal commentaries that deal with it. I mean, you, you read, read the commentaries, it's real clear. Now, that's the first part. So now let's get to the other five principles. So after we establish the laws of nature's God, that's where we get our morals, and because that's the morally right thing to do to tell other nations... We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. There's the creation. There's God, the creator. That they're endowed by their creator, again, God, with certain inalienable rights. So that's that two dozen rights that are not government-given. That among these are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, which they call property. That to secure these rights, governments government is instituted among men. That's the purpose of government. is to secure inalienable rights, uh, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So there's consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, these five, it's the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new, new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing the powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. That's your six principles. There is a God. He gives a certain set of rights. Government exists to protect those rights. There's a fixed moral law. There's the consent of the governed. And if they don't get those five right, create a new government. So that's the every everything down here goes to one of those six. Everything in the Constitution goes to one of those six.
1: So why do they say that we don't have a right to uh, secede anymore? They'll say that the Constitution is a compact well, that you just can't get out.
2: Actually, the founding fathers said that too. George Washington said no secession, Jefferson said that, Madison well, what, said that. What
1: does that. this say? So you have to have a revolution?
2: Well, what happens is you can create a new form of government. You don't have to, but you can't just decide. I want to. It, the, the analogy would be this way. Back in their day, there was no such thing as no-fault divorce. You had to work through your problems. And so it took an act of the legislature to get a divorce back in in, in the days. It was not until the 60s we had no-fault divorce. So secession today is no-fault divorce. I don't like that law. I'm leaving. No, you have to work through that stuff. Now, if you can't work through it, that's where you get to have a new government. And the the way that they saw secession was you have to have all the states agree that it's got to be done differently. I mean, you can't just have one state. You know, California says you guys pass passed gun laws. You can have guns like... We don't like that. We're seceding because we disagree. You. you can't do that. And so there has, to be a, there has to be a violation of these things right here before you create a new one. Now, if you can show that they've messed up the moral law, that they're not laid in your practice enable I know. All those things are just <laughs> I think we know. Now, see, here's the difference. We can have a revolution today at the voting box. Now, we've, we've got elections. Here's the deal. Since 1980... Only 18% of Americans have chosen the president of the United States. We're looking at one out of five Americans has chosen the president since 1980. Because we don't vote. Because we don't vote. Our, this well, is, our, this is our David? fault. Here's, here's what kills me. Is and, and by the way, let me go a step further. Not only do we not vote, we don't get involved in primaries to choose the people that should be there at the end. Yeah. Our guys sit out in the primaries and they, they hope for something good in November. No, 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 no. I mean, literally, I can show you for 200 years after we started having elections in America, we had 100% voter turnout in America because we believe that was our responsibility. We had to choose the right kind of leaders to preserve. We're down to, since 1980, only 18%, 36% vote in the election, but half of that wins.
1: But part of that, David, is what's killed me in this last election that happened was people said, we just want to burn the whole thing down. Right, right That's right. insane. Nobody wants a revolution. You want to burn it down? Show up at the voting booth and bring all your friends with you. Correct. However, this is how crazy we have become. And I think it's what Woodrow Wilson did to this document. The party system has done to mm-hmm. us. Well, i want to burn this thing down. Well, you know, there's a third party to vote for. Mm-hmm. No. No, that's crazy. Wait, you want to burn it down... But you won't even consider leaving the Republican or, or the Democratic, Democratic Party. So we keep getting the same government because the parties, because the government has usurped these rights. I mean, consent to the government. Supreme not Court. there?
2: That's right. Supreme Strike Court. Strike down state laws okay? on a regular basis. All the, all the time. And not on the basis of law, on the basis of their opinion. We don't like that, so we're doing it different. Well, now we don't have a Republican form of government, small r anymore. Now we have an oligarchy. Which is not constituted. And and by the way, we were talking uh, earlier about how little people know about their documents. I mean, I can show you by state law that in in public school for the first eight years of public school and until 1920, until the progressives got a hold of education, nobody went past eighth grade. That was your final year of school. And by the way, I've taken the eighth grade test from 1870. I can't get it. Didn't work out good. No. didn't work out. No. The interns we have every year we and they're all college kids. Our interns come from college or so they just finished college. Can't we start them off with the 8th grade and it's How many of them can pass that? Uh, no. N- we none. haven't had anybody close. Yeah. Nobody close. I, I mean I read it. I'm not a dummy. Uh, and and, and I can't even get close to You can't, close you to can't that. get close to it. No. So what we and by the way they only went to school Three months out of the year back then. As progressive, it was progressives that changed it. Oh no, we need full year. and we need twelve years, not eight. And so, progressive made four major shifts in education that we're stuck with today: compulsory education, age graded education, all year yeah. education. Nonetheless, back there, three months a year, eight years, and for the all eight years of school, you had to take a written exam once a year on four documents: Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, Farewell Address. That's it, and the state constitution. Now. I bring the farewell address up because we knew that Washington said if you have a loyalty to a political party above a loyalty to principles, he said that's the great bane of civilization. That's what will destroy your country is loving your party more than you love your principles. So for people who say, oh, you can't think about a third, no, 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 that's, yeah, you can but you think about principles more than you think about party. It's just a, it's, it's a vehicle to get you there. Who cares what the party name is? The principles are all that matter. And that's why we used to raise kids knowing that eight years of school. They read that farewell address along with the declaration. And those two things work really, really well together. We just don't know them today. It's driving me nuts, David. Well, I, we, we started at the beginning talking about how that movements that want to alter the nation always ignore the Declaration. So when you go back to the anti-slavery movement, you had all these peti- – as a matter of fact, there's a petition that came into Congress from three-fourths of the clergy of New England. About 3,500 guys signed that petition calling for the abolition of slavery. And Democrats said, we don't do that. We do the Constitution. Slavery's not there, so we don't do the Declaration stuff. What's interesting is the Declaration is what was used to grant racial equality, eventually. It's what was used to grant women the right to vote, eventually. It, they always went back to the principles of the Declaration. So, in that, if you remember the Amistad case, John Quincy Adams? John Quincy Adams goes before a Supreme Court where only two did not own slaves and only one was anti-slavery. And he's arguing on behalf of slaves being freed, not a good audience. Right. What happened was, and by the way, here are his arguments at the Supreme Court. So that's the arguments that John Quincy says, anybody wow. that's not seen the movie, it's a, it's a cool movie. I mean, you, you've, got, you've got the stuff with Hopkins, who does a great job as John Quincy Adams. The difference is, when you argue a Supreme Court case today at the Supreme Court, each side gets 30 minutes. Back in this day, when he argued, his argument was three days. Now, grab this. At this. Yeah. His argument was so long, one of the justices died during his argument.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they had to recess and bury the, it wasn't the one. It wasn't the
2: one that uh, uh, was the abolitionist, was no, it? No, no, yeah, no, no. But what's amazing is John Quincy Adams overwhelmingly won that decision. Supreme Court came out really, and this is why. This hangs in the Supreme Court back in the day when John Quincy Adams argued the case. Now, he argued the case in 1841. The significance of this declaration is it's signed. You see John Adams down here signing this thing? You see the signature for John Adams? We'll find it here in a minute. John Adams, right there. All right. It's signed by Father and Son. It's signed by John Quincy Adams oh, down Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's the only one but signed this by is John late. Quincy. They, he's Secretary of State then. And so this comes in about 1819, 1820, 1821. This is hanging in the Supreme Court. According to this, John Quincy Adams kept pointing, said, that, that is our founding document, pointing to this. He said, That says that all men are created equal and they have a right to liberty. That and all argument, all he kept doing is pointing at the Declaration, pointing. At, and this one, this this is the Benz, It's called the Benz Declaration. And it's hanging there in the court. It's got his signature on it. He's now an old man. He hasn't argued a case in front of the Supreme Court in 37 years. He hadn't been there in 37. And by the way, he was appointed and confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court and turned it down because he's negotiating the end of the War of 1812. He was overseas at the Treaty of Ghent. So he qualified to be a Supreme Court justice. He says, "Guys, that's our founding document." And it says all men have a right to liberty. And so he didn't get in the constitutional law. He kept going back to this. And that's where he won the case, was going back to these principles. So this is, that's the key document. If this you thing. go in front of the Supreme
1: Court today and you argue based on the Declaration of Independence, what happens?
2: Uh-huh. Let, let, let me take you back to this one. All right. There's 45 words that start that say uh, we hold these true self evidence. So in, in Louisiana... A legislator says, our kids need to know that, because that's got five of the principles right there. It's got four of the six principles right there. Every kid needs to memorize that. You would not believe the food fight that that started in uh-huh. the legislature. They said, no, no, no. They said, this document right there, that's a false statement. And it was Democrats and progressives that said, this is terrible. They said, that's never been true. This has never been good for blacks. Wait a minute. This is exactly why slavery... Ended. And by the way, let's take Martin Luther King... If you read his "I Have a Dream" speech, you know the whole speech is built on that exact phrase. Out of the it's what he quoted. He said, "We've come to D.C. to redeem the promise of the Declaration mm-hmm. that all men are." He just that's just.
1: It's just we haven't lived to this.
2: Well, we haven't this lived. Is to ide- this is but the idea. This is the idea. The reason we don't live to it is we won't let kids learn it. You know, we try to get kids to memorize it, and now we got a food fight in the Louisiana legislature. And by the way, when this came up in the New Jersey legislature. The legislators tried to rewrite the declaration. They said, oh, we don't agree. And, and they actually tried to edit the declaration. Wow. This is the key document. This is it. So the declaration is the document. I mean, it was the document that, that secured freedom racially, that secured it with genders back when there were only two genders, before there were 80-something genders. <laughs> and so, you know, the, that stuff was all in the Declaration. And the same thing with abortion. When Roe v. Wade came down, uh, people said, whoa, the Declaration gives an able right to life. They said well, they weren't talking about yet Yeah, they were. Th- this book we talked about earlier has a section in here on abortion and why it's wrong, and why it violates the laws of nature and nature's God. This came after this. Now, this this is the one that they started with. But they moved to this one. This is done by a signer of the Declaration and a signer of the Constitution. These are the first law books ever used in a law school in America. And he's got a section in here on abortion and why it's wrong. And why they
1: always say that we, that we never talked about it. Our founders never talked about it.
2: Well, they say that because they've never read it. I mean, you, you can read I, I've got it up on the website where they talk about abortion. And they have all these laws against abortion. I mean, laws against abortion go back to the Old Testament. When God created his nation of Israel, he said, "Here, you don't kill unborn." And he has it in in several books in the Old Testament. So it's not a new thing. I mean, abortion is not something, but Roe v. Wade changed what was right and wrong about abortion. Now we violate the laws of nature and of nature's God.
1: I I contend, David, this whole thing, I just keep coming back to the blackboard and those six things. If it wasn't for Woodrow Wilson, I mean, it would have been somebody else, but if it wasn't for Woodrow Wilson and his drive against the Declaration Mm -hmm. of Independence... You couldn't have a Roe versus Wade.
2: That, that's the deal, is if you want to transform a society, you've got to get... And you remember the first seven times that, that President Obama re- recited the Declaration, he always left the Creator out of it? Yes. Always, when you take the God factor out of it, you can shape it to anything you want. But you, you
1: also want. take the... For instance, you said, you remember in the days when we only had two genders. Well, there's nature's law. There, there are only... I mean, with an exception of, what, a couple of species that are both...
2: Yeah, but not mammal species. R- and and say... here. You know, I'm a cowboy, and early this year, I got to do a roundup in North Dakota, in Badlands, North Dakota. So, I mean, it was so cool. We're in the rough stuff, and cowboys, cowgirls, we drove out 1,200 cattle. We moved them across the plateau on top of the mesas. We had 580 calves that we treated. Cowboys, cowgirls, not one of us wondered which one was a bull calf and which one was a a heifer.
1: And none of them were were, were eco-sexual.
2: That's right. Mammals. But, you know, the Bible says four times, and God made them male and female. End of story. Four times in the Bible. Well, we've got the laws of nature, and we've got the laws of nature's God. And because
1: we have taken and cut the Declaration of Independence out, because of mm-hmm. the founders, I mean, because of the founders of the progressive
2: That's right. America. Woodrow Wilson, all the others, even progressives, they don't like the Declaration uh, I we've actually got a letter from the chairman of the Judiciary Committee back Democrat Jack Brook, 52 years in the house He said oh no no don't 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 raise the declaration with Roe v. Wade We take an oath to uphold the Constitution not the well since when do progressives ever care about the Constitution? Well, they do if you can get the values away from it because then you can make the Constitution anything you want it to be It's got to be anchored on those values and that's where the declaration is key. Take me to Lincoln. Lincoln, as he's running for office, he goes through Lincoln-Douglas debates, but the thing he keeps hitting in his speeches, and one of his great quotes is, fellow citizens, if you've been taught principles conflicting with the landmarks in the Declaration of Independence, he said, let me entreat you, let me beg you to come back to the principles in the Declaration. Come back to, and he talks about all the great Christian principles, all the great virtues are found in the Declaration, Anything that contradicts the Declaration And I love that phrase, come back to the Declaration of Independence. That's where we are. And that's where we are. It's time to come back to the principles in the Declaration. That's our value system.
1: I have Mike Lee. He's going to do, I think, a six-part series teaching the Constitution. And um, I'm interested to see now on part one, if part one has anything to do with the Declaration of Independence and how important he feels. I mean, he's...
2: One of the best on the Constitution. I'll tell you one thing really interesting. Every single act signed under the Constitution, from George Washington to the most recent one Barack Obama signed, every constitutional act dates itself to the Declaration, not to the Constitution. So even the Constitution recognizes the Declaration as the founding document, and the Constitution itself dates itself to the Declaration, not the Constitution. Wow. So every presidential act signed under the Constitution is the Declaration.